0: this isn't nom this is podcasting there are rules Welcome back, folks, to another installment of The Midwestern Nerds. I'm Chad Coffin. I'm Brian Stoffel. M-I-D-W-E-S-T-E-R-N-E-R-D-S is how you spell it. Twitter and Instagram and Facebook is where you find it. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and everywhere else podcasts are found is how you hear it. How you talk to us, please rate and review and let us know, as well as talking to us at gmail.com. Folks, we got something different for you this week. Usually I'd kick it over to my co-host and partner in podcasting only, Brian Staffel for the news. But we're going to mix it up this week because we got some little bit of special news, something different for you. So we're going to save it for the end of the episode, which means we are going to launch directly in to the main topic this week. A main topic that you already know. One that has been visited thrice And now, a fourth. We're coming to you with much higher quality, a better flow, and a much more seasoned veteran podcasting team, to put this out. I am referring to none other than the Doomsday Files. Doomsday.
1: Doomsday Files. Files. Doomsday Files.
0: We recorded these on a shitty mic (laughs) in a car. With Brian holding the mic in the air so it wouldn't rattle on the on the dash, the, these ones were a mess. In theory, they were a great idea; they were good. We needed some backup pods with you closing on the house and my newest son being born, but in execution, I I think they lacked just a touch to the point where there was even a second half of one of these that we had to re-record later because it was unusable.
1: <laughs> The funny thing was, is every single one of these, including the re-recorded half, was done, like you said, in a car. It was, we gotta go somewhere, we gotta do something together, we gotta meet someone. This is the only time that we have to do this since our weekends are so busy with preparing for a baby and then moving and remodeling a house. And so, (laughs) the fact that they even got done to begin with is a miracle in and of itself. But when you go back and listen to them, are a little cringy to listen to. These are the ones I probably spent the longest stretches of time editing just because it <laughs> was like,
0: because <laughs> they're so bad.
1: Because it was like, we really need these because we have nothing this week, but it's so hard to get that sound to not sound like our audience isn't sitting in the trunk of the car <laughs>
0: <laughs> that is bumping
1: down way. the highway. That
0: is a great way to
1: explain <laughs> The one episode we even recorded, like, driving through Oshkosh, through construction. I remember that. (laughs) So they were a little rough. Do
0: you think they can hear that on the mic? Ah, It's fine. I'll cut it out. (laughs)
1: Lo and behold, they did hear it.
0: (laughs) Um, So, folks, we did the Doomsday File. For those of you who are maybe listening new and haven't gone back to all the back catalog, premise behind the Doomsday Files was a cooler, nerdier version of Desert Island. So we thought... You had your bunker stocked, you had your food, you had your water, you had all your safety precautions set, but now what are you gonna do in all that time? So we thought of three different categories of entertainment that you would need in your bunker. And we set them up in movies, music, and books. So movies, pretty straightforward. Music, uh, we did albums. And then for books we did books comic books compendiums whatever you wanted to put in there so we set them up in a top five and then two honorable mentions so your top five you'd have locked in the cellar you'd have in the safe it'd be there in your bunker there's no way you're going to lose those ones you had copies in your house and in the bunker
1: and then your two honorable mentions were the bombs are dropping the viruses spread zombies are rampant you need to get your ass in the bunker Along with your loved ones that may happen to be in your house at the time, what are the last two items that you're going to grab on the run out?
0: So, similar to what we did in the way we set up these episodes and the way we put them out, what we're going to start with is movies. Now, what do you want to do? Just give them all seven from each of us and then see the adjustment to them or if there's any adjustment – Or how do you want to give it to them?
1: I think we could do all at once, one at a time. Um, What we're going to do is just kind of recap like those three episodes that may have been a little hard to listen to, a little bit hard to follow. We're going to give our top seven, and then we're going to discuss if there are any changes that we would make to those lists, anything that might have come out or that we were exposed to since recording that we're like, nope, that deserves to be on there. Not the other one. So, yeah, I think we could go one at a time and just go through our list, give our thoughts and our opinions on them. Sure. My first honorable mention
0: is uh, The Avengers. That movie, again, I, I touch on this in the original pod. Movies for me, and same as music and even some books to a certain extent, often are about how they make me feel. Uh, you'll find some of these movies in this list that are like, really? That's what you're taking down there. I don't, you know, cross any hairs or mince any words. I'm not saying these are the best movies that exist. We're not critics. We're not a part of the academy. These are our movies, whether they are dear to our hearts, guilty pleasure, whatever they may be. We love these movies. And the Avengers, for me, seeing all of those superheroes together for the first time was such a monumental occasion. It just. It felt like a superhero movie for the first time. I loved Iron Man. I loved Thor. I loved Captain America, but the Avengers really put it all together for me. That's why I made my honorable mentions. My other honorable mention was Jane and Silent Bob Strike Back. I don't hide any man love, heterosexual life mate love for Kevin Smith ever on this show. So this one was a no-brainer. This one, I think the best part about it is that so many different brands of comedy in it because just the ridiculous amount of cameos in this movie from... Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher, to George Carlin, to Chris Rock, Will Ferrell. Like, there's just such a list of cameos. Matt Damon,
1: Ben Affleck.
0: Right. Jason Biggs and James yeah. Vanderbeek. Yeah. It's just, it's funny how many different cameos and different stuff. Diedrich Bader's in it too. He's a security guard that makes them blow each other. <laughs> but yeah. So again, couldn't possibly leave that off my list. A good teaser for the next episode
1: of The Midwestern That's
0: true. Number five for me, originally I called it Attack of the Clones, but using Brian's cheat code with box sets, whatever you want to call them, I looped it into the Star Wars prequels. I know a lot of people are, you know, cursing my name right now. The prequels came out at a time where I really, really was getting into Star Wars, and the more Jedi, the better. So especially with Attack of the Clones, the Battle of Genosis made such a huge difference for me. All the lightsabers all the time where I struggled as a kid really enjoying the original trilogy. That's why these ones would have to be in there for me. Speaking of trilogies, on my list higher, and again, similar to Brian's box set cheat code rule, it was originally Mighty Ducks D2, but I will take the set. Another one from childhood, even to now, I can put them in at any day, any time, and they are a perfect watch for me. With my help of my co-host, I now have the full collection of the Mighty Ducks as well. It's just been all great things for me. It's always been good. The Knuckle Puck, the Bash Brothers, whatever you like. The evil Icelandic hockey team, there was always good times to be had. Plus now my kid likes it, so that's even more fun to be able to go back and watch it. Plus the work team all dressed up in uh, Mighty Ducks jerseys this year which, for Halloween, which is pretty cool then getting into what was a, a set originally but end game and infinity war i think these are the ultimate culmination of what the mcu was so you can't possibly leave these off these this list from the emotions of the highs to the lows and everything in between these were works of art in my opinion and i know a lot of critics and a lot of film people have a problem with all the superhero movies that are coming out but they can go pound sand because We're clearly not going to shy away from that on this podcast. Number two for me, originally was the Sorcerer's Stone, but obviously I take the whole Harry Potter set with me. These books were influential in my life and the movies even more so to the point where some of them were me taking my little brother to them later in life, which was really, really awesome. They will always hold a place in my heart. The Sorcerer's Stone for me, reading the books was awesome, but I think the closest I'll ever get to really going to hogwarts was that first movie where you saw it you saw the candles in the in the great hall like you saw the dormitories like everything was there for you to see for the first time so it really like sucks you in like you're reading tom riddle's diary
1: we talked about that in the original episode how the magic of especially those first two movies where they used more Practical effects than CGI really kind of brought you into that world. It wasn't like watching a cartoon animation within like a live action movie. It was like, nope, this is a puppet that looks like a real three headed dog or a real giant spider that's bigger than a human being. You know, those first two movies are so magical. And if you only had to pick one, The Sorcerer Stone would be a good choice.
0: Absolutely. And then last but certainly not least, no surprise to my co-host, or probably most people listening to this, was Kevin Smith's Clerks. I stumbled across this movie as a young lad, watching Comedy Central, seeing the edited version, and tracking it down eventually to be able to watch the real version. It doesn't make sense why some kid from the Midwest would be into this movie being black and white, being kind of... So it being very indie, being very out there, but it just spoke to me in so many different ways that even to this day, like another movie, all these on this list, but this one especially, I can put in anytime and I'm at peace. So that is my seven, my top five with two honorable mentions from the original Doomsday Files number one. So the first adjustment I'm going to make is my honorable mention and the Avengers is going to get knocked off this list. Wow. You'll see why later. I got a super ultra cheat code that I'm going to use in a little bit. So what I put in here is The Quiet Place 1 and 2. The thing about these movies, I have never been more stressed out watching a movie. But that's what makes it so good when they say, you're on the edge of your seat. I've never really watched a movie where I was like, "Mm -hmm," the whole time... And these movies make me do that.
1: I've never been more stressed out by a nail on a stair than I ever was yeah, in so my entire bad. life until I watched that movie.
0: I mean, once when I was a kid
1: from Home Alone.
0: <laughs> not the same, though.
1: Is that making the uh, the list?
0: No, it's not. <laughs> um Jay and Silent Bob, stay. Prequels, stay. Mighty Ducks, stay. The note I have here is the box set. In my third slot, the thing that changes is that I'm getting the Infinity Saga box set, so I get all of the MCU movies.
1: All right.
0: Take it or leave it. Pound Sander, or otherwise. It's happening.
1: I mean, that's the magical thing about movies is if you have the right format, they're not going to take up a whole lot of landscape. You know what I mean? Like That box set is probably the size of, what, three movies? A large hardcover book? Right. It's not going to take up that much space. Now, if you would have been like, I'm going to have all 23 movies singly, individually, in their DVD cases, Blu-ray cases. We had
0: to get get rid of a couple cases of water. It's fine.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's a different story. Two,
0: the Harry Potter box set stays. And then, for one, Clerks on its own was totally fine for me. But, using the rule, um, I will take Clerks 2 as the set as well.
1: Going to take out the... uh bonus feature disc of Clerks 2 and throw the disc of Clerks 1 in there and I've watched both those Blu-rays recently so I know that Clerks only comes with the one disc so you'd have to put Clerks 1 and Clerks 2 that's got the bonus features disc.
0: It'll make me uncomfortable but yes that's fine we will do it.
1: (laughs) All in all I'd say uh, some great changes. I mean the ones that stayed I'm not surprised and the ones that came in it was like that makes more sense. It's nice having more time to think about it
0: (laughs) than a convoluted quick pot shot putting a podcast together in a car brian i'm excited to hear your list again and to hear your adjustments because you are one to always tweak and tinker so i'm excited to hear what you have
1: this may surprise you but i didn't really tweak a whole lot in the first two categories But to start off, my honorable mentions, my number seven and number six spots were the entries that definitely introduced the cheat code of the box set. And that would be the Mission Impossible box set at number seven. So all six of those movies that are out Out of that whole franchise, I think the only stinker in there is two. And even that one is watchable. But that's a franchise that just keeps getting better and better um, with each movie that keeps coming out. When you talk about Quiet Place 2 keeping you uh, at the edge of your seat in suspense, these movies are starting to get to the point where you're starting to think, are they going to actually film the death of Tom Cruise because of the amount of ridiculous stunts that he's doing to the point where he almost fell off a roof and broke his ankle in the last movie that they filmed? If I'm getting this bunker ready, I'm going to get the most out of a little bit as I can. Mission Impossible movies are that. Seven movies of a great franchise. Definitely going to have in the bunker. Number six would be The Lord of the Rings. The extended versions have them all together in one nice little box set that is about the size of a Wheaties box. So not taking up too much space in my bunker. Those are the movies that it's almost a crime to watch the theatrical versions of them. At this point, you get so much more of the story. You get so much more like action and drama and just, it really builds to the epicness of the Lord of the Rings. It would be a crime not to have them. Number five on my list was when I was making this list, I was trying to think of certain movies that needed to be in here. And if I needed to have a tiny selection of movies in my bunker, I needed to have one Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. I have a very strong guilty pleasure of those cheesy 80s, 90s action movies with him. So why not take the one that's kind of a spoof of all those movies, The Last Action Hero. The movie where a young kid is sucked into an Arnold action movie, where Arnold is the actor Arnold Bronschneider, and he is trying to not only get the kid back to the real world but stop the bad guys in the movie from getting out of the movie and into the real world you got a ton of his classic one-liners you have spoofs of those one-liners you have spoofs of the types of situations that he would be in those action movies all together in one nice little package love that movie if I'm gonna pick an Arnold movie to represent all Arnold movies, why not have it be the Arnold spoof movie of Last Action Hero?
0: One nice little package. Title of your sex tape.
1: <laughs> Number four is the movie that we used to quote the intro of this episode, The Big Lebowski, the Dude Abides, a movie that I laugh every time I watch this movie. It's a movie that I could be having the worst day. And just needs something to like take me out of the world and put me in a better mood. And it's always going to be this movie. The Dude is something that I aspire to to either mean that I've completely made it in life. Or that I've hit rock bottom so hard that I just don't give any more shits in the world. So...
0: either (laughs) is fine.
1: So The Big Lebowski makes number four. Number three is another box set. And that would be the 90s live-action Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movies. You got TMNT number one, the original movie, Secret of the Ooze, and then Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3, where they go back to feudal Japan. These are movies that I wore out numerous VCRs and copies of these tapes, watching them growing up, would literally stick the VHS in, play it, rewind it, press play, and keep it going in the background while I'm playing with my Turtles action figures. Way better than the Bay Turtles. These were movies that you watch them and you see these Turtles. And the way that Jim Henson did the animatronics with these, it looked like you were actually seeing the Turtles. To the point where I don't think you're going to get back to that anytime soon. Unless you go back to that old way of filming those movies. Do it too like a... Uh
0: how like netflix rebooted the dark crystal just come back and do it again i was never a huge turtles kid but those movies still to me and maybe maybe it's the henson you know part of it but like those movies still to me were still so good like they were always so good what is it Forgiveness is divine, but never pay full price for late pizza.
1: Wise men say. Yeah.
0: yeah, I still quote that to this day. And of course, that's probably one of the most quoted lines. In the
1: that movie taught me what swearing was because Excellent. the first movie, which was more adult than I think a general audience is thought that it would be, uh, had a bit of swearing in it. And I watched that movie so much growing up that I knew every word to that movie. So I was just watching in the living room, like, line spitting with the movie and my sister walks through when Raphael's damn and of course i yelled damn and my sister being the obnoxious big sister she was tattled on me and i had no idea what i was even saying
0: you got your big donatello (laughs) stick and you whacked her
1: tinker toys i made my turtle weapons out of tinker toys (laughs) nice that's how us poor kids did it number two was a different kind of cheat code that i did Like your number three, it was Endgame and Infinity War. In this case, I took the bonus disc out of Endgame, chucked it aside, and threw Infinity War in there so I had them all together. Because that's a story that I I don't think you can successfully tell one without the other. Maybe Infinity War, but you have a pretty dire conclusion to the MCU. But Endgame doesn't work without Infinity War. And if I, I want the complete package in my bunker, I'm going to have them both. And number one, I don't know why I didn't have the box set, but I just had the Dark Knight. Because (laughs) it was my own rule and I totally ignored it. But the Dark Knight, the best incarnation of the Joker that we've had, arguably, unless you uh, throw animated versions of Mark Hamill in there as the Joker. Uh, This was the movie that um, took the comic book movie genre to the next level for me. Something that completely blew me away, had me completely obsessed with Batman and Joker for the longest time, to this day I feel like is the best comic book adaptation I've ever seen. So that made my number one list. My only changes that I would make to this list would be if you're doing the Infinity Saga box set. I'd go out and grab that too, so I'd have all them. And then, of course, I would have the Dark Knight trilogy box set instead of just the Dark Knight.
0: You said something that made me think about this. <laughs> Being the troll that I am at times, wouldn't it be so great, like, after, like, the like civilization is rebuilding and, like, I'm the only person with the Infinity Saga? Like, I'm the only person with the movie, so a whole new like uh, like a generation of people will get to see it but i will grow old with endgame hidden forever <laughs> and like on my on my deathbed i'll be like <laughs> <"Gotcha!"> <laughs> and then die and give them the dvd blu-ray
1: you can watch captain america winter soldier but it will cost you two chickens and a meal.
0: right like at that point i'm not not even giving the discs away like just viewings of these movies are like making me the wealthiest man in the entire world in the new
1: world (laughs) so that is our movie list not a whole lot of changes but the changes that were made i think were justifiable and were smart changes next off is music so my top seven albums that i'd have in my bunker my two honorable mentions at number seven, I had 5150 by Van Halen. This was an album that was introduced to me when I worked at camp driving the big 15 passenger white pedophile vans uh, for river trips, uh, taking kids to and from river trips back to camp. Those vans only had a tape deck in it. One of my fellow counselors had a giant shoebox full of cassette tapes one of them being Van Halen's 5150 and summer nights dreams why can't this be love i feel like it was the probably the best van halen album that i've listened to like overall when it comes to uh, track selections and this is an album that i play a lot of times on my uh, on my record player so in this case i was more or less thinking records but album of any style, shape, size, what have you. 5150 was on there in my number seven spot. Number six was The Search by NF. This is an album that I turn to a lot of times when I'm struggling with mental health. And this is just kind of talking about the struggles of life, struggles of accepting your downfalls, accepting the kind of person that you are. Um, If I'm trapped in a bunker, After a nuclear holocaust or a zombie apocalypse or COVID has wiped out most of humanity, I'm going to need an album to help me with that mental health. So that one made my number six. Number five is Post Traumatic by Mike Shinoda. Another album that really helped me out. This was the album that he made on his healing journey after the death of his best friend and fellow bandmate, Chester Bennington. This album just happened to come out around the same time when I was losing my mom to cancer. So this is an album that really means a lot to me. And again, it's probably going to help me in that mental health state in the bunker. My number four pick was Nathaniel Rateliff and the Night Sweat's self-titled album, the deluxe edition that has... 19 songs to it this is a band that i have grown to love more and more the more i listen to them they are awesome to see live it's got like bluegrass like big band feel to it with like trumpets and trombones saxophones as well as like a, a rock type band um to go along with it songs like uh son of a bitch and need never get old our highlights on this album.
0: They were very fun to see because we saw them at Alpine Valley at Farm Aid, which was a blast because you are so uh, knowledgeable to them and you've known them for so long. You don't even smirk or like joke at all, but like this is still one of like the funniest names for a band to me. I think it makes me chuckle every time. And cause you're just, and it's even funnier for me cause you just whoop, right by it every time you're like Nathaniel Raycliffe and the night sweats. i I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, yeah, it's, it's just a testament to how much you love the band.
1: We're going to see them again in August at um, the Red Rocks Amphitheater in Colorado. So it's going to be dope. Outdoor uh, amphitheater in the Canyons with this band. Hell, yes. I'm so excited. And for all of those reasons, that made the number four spot on my list. Number three is an artist that really started my music journey. And it's kind of weird because he parodies pretty much every kind of popular music. And that would be Weird Al Yankovic's Poodle Hat album. I had a hard time picking between either this one or Running With Scissors, but in the end of the day, Poodle Hat had more songs that I would listen to on repeat. This is an album that I can listen to front to back without skipping any tracks, While Running With Scissors does have my favorite song, Albuquerque, on it, there are a few tracks that I do skip on that album, so I had to throw in Poodle Hat in the number three spot. Number two, I had Ocean Avenue by Yellow Card. At one time, this was my all-time favorite band. This is an album just like Poodle Hat that I can listen to front to back without skipping any tracks. This song brings nostalgia, nostalgia, This album brings that uh, warm summer feel to it, and this album is just a banger. A punk band that has a violin in it, sign me up every day for it. Ocean Avenue by Yellow Card made the number two spot. And my number one album in my bunker is Enemy of the World, the deluxe version by Four Years Strong. I wanted the deluxe version in it because it has six bonus acoustic tracks. This is one of those bands that doesn't just take a song that they've done and play it on acoustic guitars while they keep everything else the same. This is a band that will totally retool and rework a song to give it the best feel that it can with an acoustic vibe. And that's just the bonus tracks. This hands down is their best album Everything from It Must Suck to Before You're Strong, Tonight We Feel Alive, and What the Hell is a Gigawatt, as some of their more popular songs on that album. This is a band that will have fun with their track titles, too. So they're my all-time favorite band, punk band, for You're Strong, takes the number one spot. I like it. The only change that I would maybe make is... I still struggle with Poodle Hat and Running With Scissors. So that would honestly, Weird Al would probably be closer to my six or seven. Um, I'd have all the other albums in there. And then whatever the bombs are dropping, whichever one I grab first is the one that's coming in. Other than that, recently on Facebook, there was like this app where you could like post your top seven albums. And without even looking at this list, I went boom, 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 boom. And the only other album that different was instead of 5150 by Van Halen, I had Brave Faces Everyone by the um, indie punk band uh, Spanish Love Songs. That album kind of hits me closer to home right now just because of its um, material that it has to it. It's a very real album that just kind of talks about the uh, struggles of life at the age that I'm at and chasing your dreams and how it doesn't always turn out the way you think it will. But if I'm in a a bunker, I don't know if that album's going to really hit me as hard as it does now. So I'd still probably keep 5150. But those are the only two that I kind of had troubles with going back for if I'd make any changes or not.
0: I figured as much. So I actually technically already got a change to my list. Because I had the saving grace of being able to re rerecord um, when the music one shot out. So my original list started with Bob Marley and the Whalers Legend. My grandmother was a huge Bob Marley fan to the point where my dad and three uncles sang Three Little Birds at her funeral. Like she was huge on Bob Marley just peace and love and taking care of everybody you wouldn't think as crotchety as she was most of her life that that was the case but it absolutely was so that made it in my honorable mention slot after that was toby keith unleashed i know a lot of you are like what country music that's so weird for you to have on there but i do have A love in a small place in my heart for real country music, the classic country music, not much of any of the stuff that's come out in the last 10 or 15 years. Um, So that's why that one got there. My mom was a huge country music fan, so that's why I listened to a lot of that. The fifth spot, just because of when we did this originally, was given to The Greatest Showman Reimagined.
1: Great album. I
0: love the music, but it should never have made it anywhere close (laughs) to this. My co-host was very, very, very. uh,
1: I was like, what? And then you were so adamant to keep it on there that I was like, okay. And then after we edited it and it went out and you went back and listened to it, you were like, why? God, why did I put that album on there? Why did you let me put that album on there? And I was like, I did it. But you were so insistent. Well, no, that's the one that
0: got changed, though, because that's the one originally in the original run that I said was in my fifth spot. But because we had to re-record when we did the one through seven and we gave it back, I changed it.
1: I edited that episode twice, so they all kind of just blend together at this point. (laughs) So
0: it got edited to my number five slot being Kiss Alive.
1: That makes more sense. Kiss
0: is one of my favorite rock bands. It's one of my kids' favorite rock bands. And Alive being probably one of the best live albums that exists, if not up there, uh, especially for me. Love the band. Love the album. Have seen them live in concert at Rock USA. They are awesome. They always will be, no matter how old they get. Number four, this is a bleeding heart for my dad. My dad is a huge, huge ACDC fan. So Back in Black had to be on here it's a really good combination it's a really good mix of all their music this one went in the tape deck of my dad's old red dodge dakota There was a tape deck and a cd player and i burnt out so many of his cassettes in that truck because all the time i was playing them to the point where maybe he didn't even love this album anymore (laughs) after i played it so much um but it still holds a special spot in my heart then number three this one is a little bit off the beaten path i know uh, we had talked about it when i did it originally i mean Greatest showman aside, there are some picks in here where I, like each time you're like, really? You know, so it's not nearly as predictable as my movies were. <laughs> um, but number three was the Doors self-titled album. Uh, the Doors has a lot of their classic stuff on them that people would know, has a lot of the stuff that not necessarily everybody would know, but it's an awesome album. It's, I like the Doors because I think they're a darker, not cryptic but like i think they're a cooler version of the beatles Hmm. so in my mind the doors you know similar to like the stones and stuff are just a cooler tougher version of the beatles there was nobody in the doors that was like oh a yellow submarine it just wasn't happening so man
1: drugs were hit people in many different ways back then
0: yeah i just you know It's an awesome band, an amazing vocalist. This album is awesome. If you haven't listened to it front to back, I would highly recommend it. Number two came from a relit passion for music in me that I had for a long time and then drifted away because not everybody, not a lot of people that I knew listened to them and then came back because one of my coworkers was a huge fan, but it's "Licensed to Ill by the Beastie Boys. This album has everything you want in the BC boys from the chart toppers that everybody knows to more obscure ones. I mean, you've got no sleep till Brooklyn fight for your right, Paul Revere, but there and a handful of others that are super popular. And then some more obscure ones as well. It's why I really like this album. Um, had to sneak a little rap in there and it's like the coolest version of rap in my opinion, very like BC boys run DMC, uh, style stuff. Last, but certainly not least, is one of the first albums I ever owned on wax. One of my first ever vinyls was at an antique shop with my mom. And I went to buy one of those, like, cassette player, CD, record player combo boxes. I mean, it's sitting here in the room. It's out of commission currently. But the lady said, oh, yeah, that's way overpriced. Whatever, pick that, and then 10 records out of the bin, whatever you want. I'm like, oh, okay. So I picked, you know, Elvis, Mel and John and stuff. But one album that I came across... Was Queen's The Game. There's a reason that this is the number one for me. I think this is Queen's best studio album. It doesn't have all the super popular songs. It doesn't have all their best hits, That's other people would say, but I think the collection on The Game is a better representation of the band Queen than any other album that they have. It's phenomenal. Again, another one, if you haven't listened to, kind of like we keep talking about our albums, if you haven't heard it, absolutely take the time to listen to them. I had just two changes just on the back end of mine. While Bob Marley and Toby Keith both hold spots in my heart, a better representation of my taste of music and what I love and I think I need in there. Uh, Reggae is awesome, but... Reggae is far from who I am as an individual right now and I think a better version of what I would enjoy for the rest of my days is Frank Sinatra's nothing but the best. This record has like t- 25 or 26 songs on it like it's never ending again, you know, My Way, The Theme from New York New York, like huge ones that everybody knows again to some slower ones that not everyone is aware of, but again that there is no better encompassing to me of the times of New York than Frank Sinatra, like the rat pack, that music, the voice is just so outstanding. You really can't mimic it. Evidently, unless you're Seth MacFarlane, because (laughs) this guy just has a lot of wicked talent, but that one sneaks back in and bumps out Bob Marley in my honorable mention slot at the back end.
1: That makes sense. In our age range, you're the biggest Sinatra fan that I know. And the fact that he didn't make it at all, kind of slipped past me and i think it kind of slipped past you too and it makes sense that it makes its way back on the list the other one knocking out my other
0: honorable mention of toby keith is another country singer from the same era and i think my mom will be more happy with this pick but it's tim mcgraw's greatest hits volume one i love this album this is one where if i'm doing some drinking outside i'm having a bonfire like this is going on first no Luke Bryan, no Florida Georgian line, none of that. I want Toby Keith, Tim McGraw, George Strait, Alan Jackson, but this album I love. There's the, there's the, we're going out partying, drinking, country music on there. There's the slower songs, the more emotional stuff, but uh, this is one of my favorite country albums that exists. So it goes, uh, Queen the Game, Beastie Boys, License to Ill, The Doors, ACDC, Back in Black, Kiss, Alive, Tim McGraw, Greatest Hits, Volume 1. And Frank Sinatra, nothing but the Ah, best, top to bottom. So that will wrap up the music section of this or the Doomsday Files Part 2. Last but certainly not least, yes, we watch a lot of movies. Yes, we listen to a lot of music. But you are Midwestern nerds read a lot of books. We probably buy more books than we read, but we do read a ton of books as well, whether they're in the car on Audible or paperback or hardcover or compendium or periodical we read a lot so we're going to kick you off with again two honorable mentions or a seven and a six and then our top five and then give you any adjustments we have to those starting out the run for me it's no surprise to anyone my favorite superhero iron fist the trial of the seven masters my second honorable mention comes in the form of a comic book hero that I love, Green Arrow, and comes from the creator of all things that I love, Kevin Smith. Kevin Smith's version of Green Arrow is very fun. It's very like, I don't want to say campy, but it's kind of cheesy where it's that classic Oliver Queen where he is very, very jokestery, very like even Spider-Man-esque where he's just whipping out, you know, one-liners and quips the whole time, which is his character in a nutshell as well. Number five jumps me into the Star Wars universe and it is the book Ahsoka following the Jedi Knight at that time, maybe still Padawan learner, whatever it may be, Ahsoka Tano after Order 66. So after the fall of the Republic, where she goes, right away you'll learn that she gives up the Jedi Order and she moves way off system, way to the outer rim. And then she's just kind of trying to deal with figuring out what happened because while this picks up after order 66, she's not aware that order 66 happened because she left the order prior to that. So she's trying to figure out, you know, where everyone is, what's going on, how to continue her life outside of the order. That book was by E.K. Johnston. I think he did an awesome job representing the character, and even more so, this could even, I realize it's probably non-canon at this point, but even to that, it could definitely tie into what we've seen in The Mandalorian so far. There's no reason that it couldn't. Number four for me was originally Kevin Smith's Widening Gyre, written by Kevin Smith, art by Walt Flanagan, another person who has a warm place in my heart, literally warming me right now with my TESD stocking cap and scarf. It's too cold in my basement because the AC keeps it like a icebox down here. Number three was the Harry Potter series. I need them. I want them. I got the movies, but I need the books too. They hold a special place in my heart, the same as the movies do. They were that place that transported me. The first time I really felt a way about books was with Harry Potter. They really they take you to a whole new world. You can really shut the door, pull the covers over your head, and just read for hours and go to a whole new world. Number two kicking it back from my honorable mentions iron fist again it's ed brubaker and matt fractions the immortal iron fist two guys that we ship really hard on this show we love matt fraction and ed brubaker the immortal iron fist run is one of my favorite runs of my favorite comic book characters done by two guys who i don't read very often but when they snuck in to do one of my characters it was like thank you so much for the gift i really appreciate it because they did him absolute justice and the art is phenomenal every time he picks up, anytime he picks up a character, I just feel like he can do no wrong. It's, it's so impressive. Last but certainly not least is the full compendium collection of Robert Kirkman's The Walking Dead. This is the comic book series, the graphic novel series that got me back into comics. We've talked about on this show before that I loved reading comics as a kid. I loved tracing and recoloring uh, comic book pictures uh, of my uncle's comic book collection. But I really closeted that away. I shut that down, you know, for a long period of time through middle school and high school to be quote unquote, cool. Kids don't listen to anybody. Comics are cool. Being who you are is cool. I know all the nerds on the TV shows always tell you that. But your Midwestern nerds are a different brand of nerd. We're cool. We have girlfriends and wives. So you can trust us. And they're pretty hot. Uh, Ooh, girl, you spicy. So the Walking Dead uh, collection is absolutely on my list. The couple adjustments I had uh, can be thanks to Audible. I love podcasts, and as much as I do, I wanted to make some adjustments to my listening habits. So I wanted to do more audiobooks. So I've been listening to a lot of Joe Shriver. So one of them that's going to get knocked off of my list is Kevin Smith's Green Arrow. While I love it, it's not as good as other stuff. I love it. I appreciate his take on things, but I need to move away from that. Joe Shriver's Star Wars Maul Lockdown. This book is, again, everyone will always say it's non-canon, but essentially Darth Sidious sends Maul to Coghive 7, a prison ship, Where basically at any given time, the ship itself will rearrange and pair two prisoners and their cells together and they fight to the death. Maul is sent there, but he is not allowed to use any of his force abilities. He cannot show that he is, like, he is a Sith, that he has any powers. He just has to go on brute strength alone and fighting skill. So he gets put in a lot of different predicaments where if he was using the Force, it it wouldn't be an
1: issue. No lightsabers either. No
0: lightsabers, no weapons. Like, I mean, at one point, he is, like, back against the wall. He's fighting, like, an aquatic-based, like uh creature or alien he literally uses his fingers underwater like running out of breath to take a screw out and suck air through a screw hole in the floor hmm. of it like it's insane like what he thinks to do but it is a phenomenal book and again as a kid growing up 90s into 2000s any more Darth Maul I can get I will take all of it and for those of you guys who haven't read any Joe Schreiber. I've read a handful of different books by him. Death Troopers, Red Harvest, and now Maul. He does such an awesome job with Star Wars books. He is a fan at heart for sure. He's not just a writer of this stuff. I would recommend all of it, but that's why Star Wars Maul Lockdown lands in my new honorable mention slot. And then the only other change I had is the collection rule, the collection cheat code, and giving me Kevin Smith's Batman Widening Gyre and Cacophony. So I get two of the three, the third soon to hopefully come out, hopefully before the next decade. But uh, (laughs) the two there for sure, and then everything else stays the same for me.
1: Nice. Out of all these categories, I think books was the hardest for me. I remember when I originally made this list, I had a hard time deciding what books I wanted in here. And looking at it again now, months later, I am... Just as unsatisfied with it now as I was back then when I first made it. But let's go down my list. Starting at number seven, I had The Martian by Andy Weir. This is a book that was later made into a movie starring Matt Damon. Told the story about an astronaut that gets left and stranded on the planet mars and has to learn how to adapt and live on that planet until help comes back to maybe save him i felt like this was a good book to have in my bunker to prepare for whatever is going on in the outside world and maybe help me survive in my bunker Number six, I had the Lord of the Rings series by J.R.R. Tolkien. I have this whole series in one giant book. All three books, Cecil Silmarillion. I think The Hobbit's in there too. Number five, I had Hawkeye by Matt Fraction, The Omnibus. This is one of my favorite series that has come out. This really made me fall in love with the character. It brought a lot of heart, a lot of comedy to the series. Matt Fraction's writing is really great. He does an awesome job setting up the character of Kate Bishop to be her own hero as the other Hawkeye. And the art by David Asia in this book is, while it's cartoony and quote unquote simple, it is very detailed and very gorgeous to look at all at the same time. All those reasons are why this made the number five spot on my list. Number four, I had the series Revival by Tim Seeley. I kind of cheated with this one. There are four hardcover books, but they're smaller books, and the size of them is about the size of a larger omnibus. So I was like, I can throw all four of those books in there then. This is the horror series that takes place in a town that is almost my hometown, Wasa, Wisconsin. This is the horror series that sees recently deceased people coming back to life, not as your dumb zombies, but as if you passed and then you came back and you were aware that you died and you came back. It's only happening in Marathon County and the entire world. So they quarantine the area off while they're trying to figure out how these people are coming back. What a
0: boring area to
1: be contained (laughs) in. (laughs) Right? Um, But while these people are coming back, they're not coming back completely normal. We'll just leave it at that to not get too spoilery. Not only do I love this series, but I figured it would be a great nostalgic trip and uh, remembrance of the old world and my roots as I am listening to the world burn from my underground bunker (laughs) Uh, but I really do love this series and this made my number four spot number three I had Batman by Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale the omnibus this contains their three Batman books as well as their Catwoman series that they had out this contains Haunted Night, which is like a retelling of A Christmas Carol, but like if it was Batman and his villains taking place around Halloween. You also have the Long Halloween series in here, which is arguably the greatest Batman series of all time. And the follow-up to that, The Dark Victory, which takes place around the time when Bruce Wayne adopts Dick Grayson. Those are the three that I've read out of that book so far. I haven't gotten the chance to touch the Catwoman series but that's kind of an added bonus at this point if I had to pick one Batman one set of Batman stories to stay and the others go I'm going to keep that book there and Batman being one of my favorite superheroes he had to be on this list number two I had the Punisher series by Greg Rucka I have this series in single issues so It's a small enough stack where it doesn't take up a whole lot of territory in the bunker. So this is one of my favorite comic runs of all time. Greg Rucka writes the Punisher as he's the main character, but he's not at the same time. You very much get an outside point of view of him. You get more attachments to the supporting cast and you kind of see the Punisher through their eyes he plays him as the silent and deadly type character he also introduces rachel cole alves as like the next punisher she very much has a similar past to frank castle we've talked about this series time and time again on this podcast the art by marco chetto is absolutely gorgeous more than deserves its number two spot And number one, I had Spider-Man by J. Michael Straczynski. I really cheated with this one, and I had both Omnis on here to have the entire series. (laughs) It's my favorite Spider-Man run of all time. He definitely gives a lot of heart to Peter Parker, Spider-Man. He makes some risky choices at times in this series that was off-putting by quite a few Spider-Man fans, but I found to be surprising and in that refreshing Um, It wasn't the same thing over and over and over. It was actually something different that caught me by surprise. I adore this run. It made my number one spot. Changes that I would make to this list. I feel like this could be an easily rotatable list. The only things that would absolutely stay on here, I think, would be Punisher, Batman, and Hawkeye. And I think the others could easily rotate in and out depending on my mood or what I'm reading at the time, two things that were not put on this list, one being a series that I recently finished, Invincible by Robert Kirkman. If you've seen the show, you know it's good. If you've read the books, you know that it's like 10 times better. This is easily in my top comic series right now. It's like if Dragon Ball Z teamed up with Marvel to write a Superman book. That's basically this series, but told with completely original characters. I have the 12 hardcovers, which would not fit in my bunker. I think I'd have to prepare ahead of time and buy the softcover compendiums, since there's only three of them. If by some weird, cruel twist of fate, I could only have one of them in there, I think it would be volume two of the compendiums, because I think that's when the character Conquest shows. And I'm not going to do any spoilers other than the the name of the character, but when that character comes in, I feel like is when this book got to its most intense that it reached throughout that entire series. So that would be the one book that I would have in there, Volume 2, but if I could have all three, if I could make the space, I would have all three. And last but not least, but you mentioned in your, your list, Brubaker, Baker. I had none of his books on that list. While the majority of my exposure to Baker is his Captain America run, which spanned it almost 10 years, I do have the majority of his library in my house. I just haven't gotten to them yet. So I would probably sneak one of those in there. If anything, if it had to be a Captain America one, it would probably be the first volume which introduces the Winter Soldier and follows Steve Rogers through Civil War. Otherwise, I would sneak in one of his smaller books that he has, like Pulp, which came out recently about a cowboy in like the 1920s where times are changing and he is still kind of stuck in the past. He's writing those pulp Western books about his glory days of when he was a bandit and a burglar that aren't making the cut. And to pay for medical bills, he decides to jump back to the way of crime. It's a small book. It wouldn't take up that much territory at all, so I'd probably sneak that one in there as well. But that is my seven books that I would have. To wrap up our Doomsday Files, we decided to sneak in one more category, a shorter category, And it's just other things besides books, movies, and albums that we would maybe want in our bunker, whether it be entertainment or just necessities or even just uh, things that are near and dear to us. Chad, do you want to start with your list?
0: It's so hard because it's like limited space is, is huge. I think one of the first things that I would do is just to take advantage of time. I mean, with the apocalypse, now you have what could potentially be very short period of time, or you could basically have endless time until it's over. I would want to bring one of my guitars because I would really want to try to learn really, really try to learn again. It's going to have to be self-taught unless somebody who snuck into my bunker and like if Jimmy page was like, Hey man, I'm back. Uh, <laughs> I mean, we, I know we time necessities. Like I don't need to talk about food or water or weapons. Like that's, that's a no brainer. I think I don't know if I need a lot else, you know, like the entertainment, like this covers so much of our stuff. Like I don't need all of my, my Kevin Smith stuff. If I have clerks, you know, I don't need my iron fist action figures. If I have his books, you know, there's a lot of stuff that in these three categories, we have so much of what, where our love lies, where our fandom lies. So enough food, water, safety precautions, my family, after that, a guitar, and I'll be on my way.
1: I have a list of, like, seven items on here. And these are, like, these are items that either could be in it as necessities or if I just happen to have them in there, like, awesome. Other than, like, your bare necessities to start off with, I have a giant notebook and, like, pens and pencils Mm. because if everything goes out, I have to entertain myself. Like if I don't lose my access to music and television because the generator ran out or whatever, at least I have some pencils and paper to either write my own stories or draw my own stories or just write Potentially
0: it. be the new historian for the future, like writing the tale yeah. of what the world is now.
1: Yeah, exactly. I also had other means of entertainment as far as like games, like I had a deck of cards in there. You can do how many different types of games with a deck of cards but other than that i did have like some board games if we do have the space for them it'd probably come down to one of them but the three i have on my list is avengers thanos rising which is like avengers infinity war the board game where you round up your crew of avengers to take out thanos and the outriders and the dark order i had that game on there i had doctor who time of the daleks which is like Doctor Who, the TV series, the board game where you're going through time and space, taking on different villains as different doctors getting companions and different Doctor Who tools and resources to help you along the way or Power Rangers Heroes of the Grid, which is like Power Rangers, the TV show, the board game where you're defending Angel Grove from putties against your Power Ranger bosses and monsters. You can have the Mighty Morphin team or if you have other expansions, but at that point I'd probably just have whatever Rangers I like to play as in that box and whatever monsters I like to play at so far and so forth.
0: No games in my bunker. We're going to have some kids game in there for the kids, but like there's, I think already tension will be high enough and stress will be high enough. Like, even in regular world, my wife and I are at each other's throats halfway through any board or card game. So I don't think we need to add that tension or hostility to my bunker.
1: Those three game- board games that I have are cooperative games. So everyone's working together for one common goal. So I don't feel like there'd be as much tension and fighting. There might be. Nope. But it. Doesn't work. This bunker, it's probably me and my girlfriend. So we got to have ways to entertain both of us instead of just ourselves too. To keep on Doctor Who, I didn't have any Doctor Who on here until now. And I love Doctor Who. It's probably one of my favorite things of all time. If I have movies on there, I'd probably try to sneak in the David Tennant box set that's got his four seasons and the specials that he was in. If I can't fit that, it's going to be Doctor Who out of time the audio CD adventure where he's teamed up with Tom Baker, the fourth doctor. If I can't fit the box set in, I can fit one more CD along with my music for that audio book.
0: Well, I mean, I know we said we've kind of bled this well dry, but uh, we didn't talk about our doomsday TV shows. We did
1: not <laughs> stay tuned. <laughs> and last but not least, I have a photo album of my friends and family that, probably aren't in that bunker with me just so that i could have that there if i can't have the album definitely would have like the last really nice family photo that we took of our whole family i feel like that's a necessity to have on there that goes with like the food and the water and toiletries and any medication or whatever you can scramble ahead of time but that is a list of the other things that i would have In my doomsday bunker. Folks, friends,
0: fellow nerds, the news this week is not as exciting as the newsflash or headlines. It's something that may be a little somber for some of you. Yorb and Western nerds are putting out episode 48 this week. Episode 49 next week. And then we'll be taking a short sabbatical... Season one will be concluded with episode 49. We have something fun and exciting for that episode. A past guest that we've had on the show, a listener favorite, a friend of ours for a long time, will be joining us to talk about the day's events and other things and even reminisce with us about the first season of Midwestern Nerds. But do not worry. We have big plans in place. This will be a short sabbatical We do not believe that it's going to be longer than four weeks at most. And we'll make sure we tie you over with plenty of stuff to get you there. But I promise, while it's a break from listening to us every week, we will not be taking a break. Because we are going to be prepping what will be an awesome culmination of listener feedback, guest involvement, and nerdiness for episode 50 and possibly 51, Part 1, Part 2, how many parts it may take, but it'll kick off with Episode 50 as the opener for Season 2 of The Midwestern
1: Nerds. I think it's going to be a good example of how this show is going to come back bigger and better than it was in Season 1. We do a lot every week
0: to just try to get the main topics and the news and everything out every week, so taking the time to really set aside some time to create and not feel so rushed, and really put something together on a bigger scale with more time, not only is going to be fun for us, but I think you guys are really going to reap the rewards of it as well. Because from the feedback that we've gotten from the things we've done in the past, this is a giant collection of all those things that we've we've had a lot of fun with, our guests have had a lot of fun with, and our listeners have had a lot of fun with. So we are really, really looking forward to episode 50. You guys will just have to patiently wait after this episode and the following just a little bit of waiting until you can come back and join us in the fortress of solid dude once again
1: if you can wait 14 years for black widow to come out in theaters you can wait a few short weeks for new episodes of your midwestern nerds to hit your earbuds and that's right. That's us, the Midwestern Nerds. That's
0: M-I-D-W-E-S-T-E-R-N E-R-D-S at Midwestern Nerds on Twitter and Instagram. Midwestern nerds at gmail.com. The Midwestern Nerds podcast on Facebook. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever podcasts can be found. Wherever you listen, we are. We're waiting for you. Please remember to rate and review us. We appreciate it. With this time off, you'll have plenty of time when you are listening to rate and review us. Share us to your friends. There's plenty of backlog. There's no way they could possibly get through all the backlog of Midwesterners. 49 episodes we put out in almost a year's time. Brian and I uh, have had an awesome time. And I think next week we'll have a little more reminiscing to do some tears, perhaps some excitement. But as always, for your nerds, I'm Chad Coffin.
1: I'm Brian Stoffel.
0: And whether it's beer, brats, comics, or pops, keep, keep it, it nerdy.